for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Seipt. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. We are here after a 24-10 loss. The Cleveland Browns fall to 0-2 on the year after a mistake-filled loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Andrew... Right away, what stands out to you after yet another 0-2 start? Uh, five turnovers will do it. You know, it's no matter who you are, you're not going to win a game in the NFL. Turning the ball over five times. So, you know, I, I'd start there. What about you? It's got to be the turnovers. That's what I was saying with the mistakes. It's, I mean, there's we have plenty to get to about why we're frustrated after this loss. But no matter what, five turnovers, you can't win unless you're you know, very lucky, which the Browns are not. Unless the other team turns it over six times. Exactly. That's that's when you have a chance. But just some quick stats that jumped out to me. Another game in which the Browns pretty much abandoned the run. You know, they were down 14 nothing early, but, you know, it's still a team like the Ravens. I said it last week. They're going to focus on a way to take away the running game and make Kaiser beat you. And he just didn't get it done today you know he turned the ball over far too many times like we've already mentioned but even then the browns only ran the ball 14 times or there were only 14 carries to to running backs so i think that's just a bit absurd given the fact that you know that he's trotting out there a rookie quarterback against a defense that forced andy dalton to turn the ball over four times last week and one thing to note i mean as anyone who watched the game knows deshaun kaiser missed i'd say you'd say half the game about half of the game with a migraine? Yeah, I honestly yeah, I honestly forgot about it just cuz I mean the first half yeah, it was pretty bad. You know, he had some long passes out of bounds. They really had no rhythm on offense. He's stuck in a lot of third and long again. Uh he had the early fumble and then another interception, you know, that came off Duke Johnson's hands. So he just failed to really get anything going and Kevin Hogan actually breathed a little bit of life into the team, which was I think you'd texted me asking what was happening because it was almost like the sky was falling yeah I I did say what is happening because I was so scared that they just benched Kaiser I was like please don't please tell me he's not benched but the migraine I saw a lot of really dumb hot takes on Twitter which most hot takes are about you know him not being tough uh, or he should just take some Advil but anyone (laughs) with a migraine or having in the past knows that you can't even do anything with a migraine let alone play a football game so it was i was just glad to see that it wasn't concussion related um but going back to how hogan did i believe it was a five play 83 yard drive touchdown pass to njoku beautiful drive but i think we all must realize when you know once hogan had a little more time and he had that crazy overthrow on one of his later drives it was he looked good on that first one but he came back down to earth yeah, a little he, bit. Yeah, he exceeded expectations and played over his potential on the one drive. But he's not, let's just make it clear, he's not the great hope for this franchise. Just so people don't, you know, go crazy this week. Yeah, I mean, it, despite that interception, you know, that interception was a huge, we talk about punches in the stomach, you know, going into halftime, they almost gift you an opportunity by trying to kick that 58-yard field goal. He happens to miss it, and you know they give you such great opportunity with a, over just over a minute left, 
you're moving the ball, moving the ball, and then all of a sudden you make that terrible pass and, you know, just takes the life right out of you moving into halftime. Baltimore comes out again in the third quarter, and they score a touchdown right before right before the half, and that was really all they needed because at that point, you know, you had no idea what to expect from the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and that, that interception before halftime from Hogan, which he got absolutely just speared on by Edge. And he tried, got up and tried to make the tackle, didn't he? Yeah, but it was... That was the problem, and then the defense just got roasted on a big run. That was also the problem. It was just bad. I mean, Jarrell Peppers played a solid game, considering, um, but he really just— I don't think he did at all, actually. I mean, again, he's given up so much in the middle of the field. I get that's part of the defense that it's called, but, I mean, at some point, stop being the last guy to be in the play and step up and make a play. How many times did did the tight ends make a play— you know, I think Ben Watson had eight catches for 91 yards, and I think total it was 112 yards by tight ends on a on a passing offense that only had 200 yards total. So, I mean, I think that's the safety's job is making sure the tight end is covered, and we saw it last week with a broken play with Jesse James, and we saw it again this week, you know, constantly being open in the middle of the field. And I don't know if that's a defensive scheme or, or a blown coverage, but either way, it's got to be fixed. To me, it looks like the scheme, and that's why I said played well considering, because He's dropped back so far, and I do agree. There was one distinct pass I remember to Benjamin Watson that was as soon as the ball was snapped, Peppers was running in. And to the you know average fan watching, it's, well, if you could see that almost pre-snap, or why does he have to be so far back? I know it is the scheme they're running, but after two games, probably could have a little more success if they weren't dropping their safety so far back. So just in some of my second quarter thoughts, after, you know, I had already mentioned that the run game was abandoned with 10 total carries, you know, just in the first half alone. And then to get four in the second half after that, after you kind of bring the game back, you know, you get a field goal, make it 21-10. And you just, you know, you can consistently take your team out of the game by by forcing to Deshaun Kaiser to throw the ball more than he needs to. I mean, yeah, you're not getting anything, but how can you let a running back get in a rhythm or how is any, any running back going to get in a rhythm when they're only getting 10 sporadic carries throughout the first half of the game and then nothing in the second half. I truly don't understand it. And that's kind of both of our takeaway or the reason we bring up abandoning the run. Some people might look at, oh, well, Crowell or you know Duke weren't doing too well, obviously in limited chances. But if you just keep passing the ball, the defense knows a pass is coming and they never even have to worry about a run. Everything's out of the shotgun. Like a, ba- ba- it's a high school offense. Yeah, basic college spread. And you, you just and the thing is, you can't do what Hugh Jackson does sometimes, which I'm sure you agree with, which is first down, one yard run. OK, we're not running the ball the rest of the drive. It's, yeah, or it's in uh, the worst thing about it, too, is it's not any not even a position or a formation in the offense that's like suitable for a run. You know, everything's out of the friggin shotgun trying to run the ball. Look at how it affected a guy like DeMarco Murray, who is similar to that one cut style, you know, I'm going to make a cut and pound through you like Isaiah Crowell is, you know, he goes from the Dallas Cowboys who, you know, run exactly that, have a great offensive line power run scheme. You know, he had the best season of his life. He goes to Chicago, or, uh, Philadelphia with Chip Kelly and he can't run the ball out of the shotgun. I think you're seeing a lot of that same you know, that same inefficiency with Isaiah Crowell because he's just not given the ball in a position that's suitable for a running back. You know, just give it to him in a single back. I formation. I mean, use the fullback for goodness sakes. And then they have the problem too, which some college offenses have as well, is when you run out of the shotgun the whole game and then you show up in the I formation. Well, that's and an the defense run. goes, 
here comes the run. Exactly, exactly. And it's, I mean, even some of the play calls at the goal line, his coaching challenge too on the Corey Coleman catch. I mean, Baltimore called timeout. And we all saw at home that that ball came out from Corey Coleman. I'm not sure who in the Browns, you know, challenge department is looking at that or if Hugh Jackson can even watch a replay on the scoreboard, but I'm not sure why he's challenging that play. You know, they run a design run on the goal line at first and three with Deshaun Kaiser. That loses three yards, and then he's picked off on the next play. I mean, they had chance, so many chances in this game. Baltimore fumbled and gave them the ball you know, in a great position in a in a crucial part of the game where the Browns realistically could have come back and they still weren't able to able to capitalize it. So it was a, a frustrating game to watch by all accounts. The frustrating thing for me when Duke Johnson had that nice run, the draw run to get down to the goal line, mm-hmm. maybe scored. We don't know because, you know, no review was the fact that they had this nice run. And next play, as you just said, QB run. It, you are so close to the goal line. You have one of the highest paid offensive lines and give it to your running back. Yeah, the I QB run know. makes no sense. And then the pass play, just run the ball. Your pass, Do your something. quarterback has I turned mean, the ball over so many times already. Just help, he's a rookie. Help him out. Give the ball to your running you're back. You're telling me you don't think Isaiah Crowell could have gotten three yards and three carries like, <laughs> Then he shouldn't yeah, even be and then there. So then. what? Maybe, maybe, maybe Baltimore loads the loads the front box. You know what? Then call maybe a little play action to Seth DeValve. How many times do we see teams in the NFL run that stack power offensive line and a tight end ends up breaking free for an easy wide open touchdown? I mean, he tries to get so creative with these end arounds and the these motions before the snap. And and Kaiser's out there, you know, with half a migraine, and he's got all these guys motioning around him. The play clock's going down, you know. I just don't think Hugh Jackson, as much as we say he's a quarterback guru or the perfect person to groom a rookie quarterback, you know, he's really not doing him any favors in two games so far this season. How I feel about it is that Hugh Jackson is trying to run a very complicated offense that would work with it with different players, but he's doing it with a young inexperienced team and it's just not going to work. I'll tell you, I was impressed by some of the wide receivers that stepped up though. My favorite player. I was gonna say your boy Hollywood Higgins had a hell of a game. So, and I, I kind of trash talked him a little bit too because I, I mean, I, I haven't really liked Hollywood Higgins since he's been on the team because you have the name Hollywood. He almost doubled really his career total to in it. receptions today. I believe right? he had six I mean, last it, year and had five today. Oh, he had seven for ninety-five yards today. Seven, hell of, a, oh, hell yeah. of an outing. Yeah, Corey with Corey Coleman really not doing anything and then getting hurt later on. You know, Devalve had a, a couple nice catches in the open field, continuing to develop that chemistry. While there were a lot of turnovers, you know, at least there were him and Ricardo Lewis, too, you know, two receivers that I I talked about last week, not really having support from a supporting cast of weapons. Uh, You know, it was really nice to see those two kind of step up this week. I have a question for you. Is Higgins leading the team in receiving yards a negative reflection on the rest of the receiving core? Or is it just an example of how this team every week there's going to be a new guy stepping up? Uh, I mean, or both. the state of the Browns wide receivers, wide receiving core is the fact that their now leading receiver was cut last week, went unclaimed by every NFL team, then put on the Browns, Browns practice squad. Then the Browns picked up a guy from Seattle's practice squad who then went inactive, called up Higgins to play the slot. And now he is their re- leading receiver. I mean, Kenny Britt, <laughs> you know, had another non not good relevant day Corey Coleman really didn't do too much so it was like I said it was nice to see a guy like Higgins catch the ball because we know somebody has to 
but you know, I think it's going to be that every week. You're not going to know what you're getting, you know, from any of these receivers. It's going to be one guy each week. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen with the receiving core. Seth the valve is looking good, but he's a tight end. Although he basically is like a hybrid receiver. Man, Co- Sammy Coates was out there for a little bit. He almost made a crazy catch. Got really high off the ground. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he juggled it all the way through the sideline. Not side that line. one. There was a different he, one, an overthrow. Oh, I must have missed that. But oh, to the point, that. still not good. Kenny Britt, I don't know what if he's even going to get playing time next week. I think he got hurt towards the end, but I mean, that guy, especially after being almost a little defensive last week after dropping that ball, you know, like he just hasn't seemed like he's playing with a chip on his shoulder that, you know, to, to prove to anyone that he's actually worth it. You know, he's saying he's a nine year, 10 year vet, but you know, go out on the field and prove that prove, act like we paid you money for a certain reason. Don't just, he, he's just looking more and more like Dwayne Bowe each week. You know what I think the scary. problem is with him is that he wasn't worth the contract he got and the Browns were the only team that was going to give it to him. So it's a problem of Which, the Browns give him this contract and we're like, Oh, he must be good if he gets this money. And every other team's like, yeah. what are you doing? They're going to, I, I mean, if they cut him, they better throw all their money back at Terrell Pryor as like a, a we're sorry we messed up type deal because there's a lot on that side that, that we don't understand in terms of the negotiations that went on. But on the outside looking in, you know, it definitely doesn't look good on the Browns to let Terrell Pryor walk for a guy like Kenny Britt. The problem with him letting him walk, which we've touched on nearly half our episodes, but just really quick is... He was here a whole year, learned the offense, built some chemistry. This year you have a new quarterback, but still, if you come in with a number one guy from last year to pair with Corey Coleman, who's and he's still young, but then you have, oh, we're bringing in Kenny Britt now, a new guy. Yeah, doesn't know the offense. Still doesn't know the offense, you know, it, it seems like. Doesn't just, on the outside, you know, look good because you're, you know, they can justify it by saying Corey Coleman's their number one. They bring in Britt to be that possession type receiver that's not as, I would say boomer bust as a guy like Terrell Pryor is, but I mean, so far he's been an absolute bust, you know? And again, I, I still go back to, you know, not only has Hugh Jackson not really done anything to help out his rookie quarterback, but again today, I mean, Njoku dropped a couple passes, you know, some of these receivers, while they're making great plays, you know, they're almost dropping some passes in these crucial moments, you know, on, on third down, third and long, or making mistakes like kind of these mental mental errors that continue to plague this rookie team. At this point, I want I want to just pretend like this game is just a bad just another bad game, but I want to get your thoughts like, kind of moving looking ahead towards next week and the week after and all that. Are you feeling any doom and gloom that you felt from last year because you texted me during the game and said, "Oh wow, this is starting to feel like last year." I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, it definitely it definitely felt like last year a little bit. I mean, Kaiser goes out with a migraine. So again, it just another Browns quarterback going out with injury. I mean, he he'll probably start next week and and everything will be okay, but you know, watching the game, you just before when Hogan steps on the field, you know, you've automatically felt like your best chance to win is already shattered. And sure enough, he goes and leads a touchdown drive for like the most exciting part of the game, but it's still just a little deflating to have, you know, your your stu- your your first string quarterback go down, and you're down the whole game. You're and he, plus he's throwing the, that many interceptions. You know, hopefully this is just a, a welcome to the NFL game for Deshaun Kaiser, where he can definitely 
take this back to the film room and, and look at what he's doing wrong. And hopefully, you know, they can take it out on the Colts next week. But so far, I mean, today was, I think we got a, a much bigger look at the Browns or the real Browns this week, as opposed to what they were last week. The way to try to stay positive, I'd say, is that the Browns played two of the best teams in the AFC to start the season. The Ravens, I was the one saying, or more people than me, but I was saying last week, oh, wow, you know, they shut out the Bengals, but maybe the Bengals are just too bad. But they they are, are, but the Ravens' defense still looked really good. Yeah. Maybe the Browns are bad, too. Well, if you look at the Ravens' game plan for the Browns, it's make them one-dimensional. And I think the Browns did a decent job starting the game with making them one-dimensional. But again, they, they just let up too much in the middle of the field for their wide receivers, and that's where you have to start dropping linebackers back. You can't be as aggressive or stack eight in the box like you typically would uh, to stop the run. So you know, maybe it's something with the Browns offensively taking a page out of the Ravens' playbook as to how you know to, to properly run the football. Not even properly run the football, just run the football that was my key to victory if you recall yeah or was that your key to victory i mine was run the damn and mine was get rid of it uh, but it looks like mine didn't turn out well because no (laughs) but deshaun kaiser only got sacked two times it was well it was like the third play of the game wasn't it and he got sacked for holding on to it too long i mean there were times where he again just didn't get rid of it you know he barely got rid of it which is fine i'll take the incompletion over the sack but Again, man, he's just he's holding on to it too long. He's a little indecisive. He's taking off and running. He's getting spooked in the pocket, so he's taking off and running a little running a little bit too much. I again, I think it stems back to receivers like Kenny Britt not being able to get separation, but you know, you got to throw people open in this league. Yeah, he is, he's stepping up and it was mentioned during the game. He's stepping up, but it's not like he's stepping up out of pressure. Yeah. He, it's just He looks really herky-jerky when he does it. Even like him running looks like just place. like a – it's like the Joe Flacco running. It's just that big body. Like yeah. they're running way faster than either of us can run, but on TV it looks like they're just jogging. They're so big, and everyone else around them is so much faster. So it just puts it – it makes it all relative, I guess. Uh, have we heard anything on Corey Coleman? I know he was shaking up the end, and I don't it know if he It was his really hand at the time oh, um, when he went out. But at the time of us recording, Sunday afternoon after the game – I haven't seen anything new. Hopefully, it is nothing major. Because last year, the hand injury kind of, re- I mean, really disrupted. Derailed his rookie year. Yeah. And Ugh. as we said, yeah, there's no current update. Just found. But okay. if he, the receiving core right now is obviously not in shambles, but it's just bad. It's but, No, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, I'd put well, it up I said there with bad, the Bears. But not like... It's not as bad as the Bears, but at the least Bears the Bears are horrible. But it, yeah, they were they were pretty pretty awful today. But at least they had a guy like last week, Tariq Cohen, who just stepped up. You know, just that one playmaker, and maybe that was Rashard Higgins this week. But Hollywood, there. The problem with this offense in general is that they're making plays in between the twenties, but they're failing to to get the ball in the red zone and convert them in the end zone, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, even. So I, it's. Maybe it comes with playing teams in the next three weeks, like you said, of the Colts, Jets, you know, some of these lower level teams that that the Browns should be able to squeak some wins out of. But 
after what I saw this week, it's going to be going to have to be a big turnaround from Deshaun Kaiser. Hopefully a game against the Indianapolis Colts will be a little easier than a game against the Baltimore Ravens. But if he throws, I mean, throwing four picks is hard to do. I feel like, <laughs> and if he does it against the Ravens, it, it is hard. Yeah, it is super hard. Like you shouldn't like be able to do that. It's to not... throw that many strikes to the defense. He had four out of the five total turnovers. You know, four or three, three interceptions, interceptions. I... one right. fumble. You know, the first fumble obviously was in Cleveland territory, setting up the Ravens' first touchdown. The one off Duke Johnson's hands. You know, I'll cut him some slack there, but still, you know, it goes down on his stat line, and that cost ended up costing the Browns the ability to put points on the board. The Kevin Hogan interception, like I said, that was really a killer. took the air out of him. That was an absolute killer right before the half. You know, it, it, as I started to come out of my pessimism, you know, when Kaiser comes out, you know, they get the ball with a real opportunity to make some noise going into the half, and they squandered it mightily with a, a pretty big 10 to 14 point swing by not only not getting points on that drive, but giving the Ravens the opportunity to go down and score a touchdown right before getting the ball back before the second half. Uh, Even just at the start of the game, another just horrible possession to start. They they get the ball first, and I know Hugh Jackson's like, it's like Hugh Jackson lives in our optimistic world. Like, all right, we'll get the ball first. We'll go down and score. It's like, and then it's like first down, one yard run, second down, deep pass, incomplete. Like, what are we doing? Like, is it really like is I is I is Isaiah Crowell like that bad of a running back? He must you know, just like, say just, horrible things to Hugh Jackson during the week. I, I know Duke Johnson finally got some more looks running. I mean, four as much carries. as you can looks yeah, as much as you can in terms of getting looks at the as a running back. But I mean. You look at a team like Minnesota, okay? Sam Bradford, after week one, you know, he was awesome. He didn't play this week. But you look at that team like in the last couple years, even with Teddy Bridgewater, you know, focus them with a good defense, a solid running game. Like Teddy Bridgewater was one of the most accurate passers, and Sam Bradford, too, in that offense, one of the most accurate passers, you know, in the NFL, best completion percentages. And when you look at the Browns, they don't have like all the same pieces are there to to mimic those kind of statistics where you're running the ball a lot, you're putting your quarterback in favorable situations, and that's just not happening. I think you have a good enough offensive line to buy your quarterback some time. I just don't understand why there's not more quick plays to build your quarterback's rhythm versus all these twenty yard outs or seam routes down the middle that just really have not been able to convert thus far this year. It it makes no sense to me. I mean, it makes no sense to you either, and probably a lot of fans, because Kaiser has, if you count the preseason, he's been play, like he's been running full blast with his first team offense for like a month. Yeah, Less than and a I, month. I don't, I don't, again, I, I still think he's a good quarterback. I'm not yeah. going to give up by any stretch, but he's got, he's got such a good arm, you know, and he, it's short yardage. I remember that uh, he threw that slant to Ricardo Lewis that ended up being about, like 20 yards at the end of the game. I mean, he absolutely fired that ball. Look at some of the ways that Joe Flacco picks apart the Browns defense. You know, he sees that the middle of the field's wide open. Like, call a hot route, just a, a quick little pass pass route to the tight end. Catch and run leads for like 15 yards. You know, I think those are just more of the plays. Like, let the playmakers do their job. Instead of trying to force the ball where it's not needed into double, triple coverage, you know, throw the ball into an open space and let a guy, let a playmaker make a play for once. And I think that's just not what they're doing. As you said, I think both of us agree. We think Kaiser's playing well for a rookie. Not well. Uh, not he's not. Not this compared game. to the rest of the NFL. He's not playing well. 
but he's showing what I mean is he's showing flashes of that he can be a good quarterback. It, I didn't show any flashes today. Well, you, like you said, the I'm just, slant to Lewis and certain passes. I, yeah, I mean, there's he's not going to go 0 for 35 or what, however many That's passes. That's what I'm he saying. Threw, but it's, he's not coming out and having Blake Bortles games like Blake Bortles had today. Dude, he threw three picks. He had four turnovers today. I'd say that's a that's a Blake Bortles game. I would say. I guess that's. Fair. I mean, he he completely took it. He had a pick at the goal line, pick at the end of the game. I mean, completely took us out of out of point scoring opportunities. You know, again, I'm not going to write him off because I know this was. I kind of called this last week on the podcast. I said, you know, it's not going to be an easy week for the Browns, and uh, it, it turned out that it wasn't. So. It just he'll use it as a learning experience, and hopefully they'll be able to beat up on some some crappier teams in the coming weeks well you said i remember that if they didn't run the ball and only passed they would have 12 interceptions so you were a third of the way there i was being yeah i was being completely hyperbole is hyperbolous a word hyperbolic hyperbolic okay that sounds better that makes hyperbolous i was (laughs) if you're really wonky you could say that yeah. Uh, I was definitely being hyperbolic in the sense of 12 interceptions, but like you said, I wasn't uh, wasn't too far off. Uh, but it doesn't matter who you are, you know, you can't turn the ball over that much and win the ball game. And with a lack of running game, it's just it was just an absolute recipe for disaster. And Murphy's Law, you know, everything that can go wrong will go wrong, and it, it definitely happened today. Murphy's Law, as said by Matthew McConaughey and Interstellar. Murph, Murph. It's a great soundtrack. That's no, all we. Man, I mean, that's that's, that's what we have to talk about after that horrible game. Indians clinched the division. Yeah, that's good. In other news, I think everyone was relative. I mean, aside from Corey Coleman, I think everything everyone else was healthy, right? Uh, Jamie Collins other- was being evaluated for a concussion after the game. Oh no! Hopefully, it's not serious. And Kaiser. We don't know migraine, obviously. Oh, maybe I wasn't watching too much. Like, <laughs> were you watching guys the game? Some question. Yeah. Oh man. Just taking a look, you know, we see, we can grade the segments, but I think it's pretty obvious, you know, what our thoughts are. We've touched on most of the points covered in this. For the offense, you know, I'm going to give him a D. You know, Hogan did lead that one nice drive, and uh, it was <laughs> – isn't that bad to say, like, one nice you, drive? Like, you reach really double-digit points, you can't fail. You get a D. Yeah, oh, man, I get that. But like I said, these turnovers, I mean – especially the ones at the goal line, one at the end of the game, you know, maybe they score a garbage time touchdown and make it look closer than it actually is. Give them some confidence, but it's got to be tough to be in that locker room as an offensive player today. So that's, that's my grade as a D. I'll agree. Can't fail. If you score 10 D plus <laughs> D plus the plus goes for Hollywood Higgins uh, defense. Uh, I mean, C. I think last week we even talked about the fact that the safeties were that far back. And one thing I heard on the radio was that might have been a, you know, just a, a matchup thing. You know, they didn't, the Steelers wouldn't know how the Browns would come out. You know, they tried something and it worked well. I think obviously with the Ravens seeing that on tape, they utilize that to their advantage with ex Cleveland Brown, Ben Watson, who really tore up the secondary today. Um, they did force two turnovers, but a lot of times they, uh, they really, didn't give the offense much work, much room to work, and maybe that's a credit to the Ravens' special teams as well, because I feel like the Browns were backed up all day long. Yeah, they they were. I mean, Sam Cook was bombing punts, which killed any chance the Browns had. But for my grade, I'll go B minus. It looks bad because they had twenty four points, but it was off five turnovers. The yeah. reason, I mean, the biggest kind of killer plays 
came off turnovers. You had that big run before halftime to set up the eventual touchdown, but that came off. A- Speaking of, was that was that Buck Allen that did that? The run? I think it was. Yeah. That, Didn't well, you say way, he was I, your I was, sleeper? I did. He was my sleeper. I think he had, let's see, I think I wrote it down here. He had six or 14 carries, 66 yards, five catches, 35 yards, and a touchdown. You know, that's about 16 points in fantasy. That's a pretty good day. He's better than anybody that I've started on any of my teams so far. Well, so. good sleeper pick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right about some. I hate so Listen, I, I wish that I could come on here and say that, like, I'd be right about the Browns doing well, you know, but it's so frustrating because when you're realistic about where this team's at, it's and not fun. When when I could come on the podcast and say this is what they need to do to make sure they don't lose the game, which is run the ball, don't become one dimensional because that that defense is going to kill you. Obviously, the coaches understand that too. You know, it's it's not rocket science. So it's really frustrating that the coaches didn't come out with a, a game plan. You know, that tried to take some of the pressure off Deshaun Kaiser. And it's weird that like they have to know like that has to be somewhat in the plans, but I don't know if they panic when they get down and they start just changing things. Or oh, it's de- he definitely panics. I mean, he he thinks that he's got to get it back, you know, in four plays. Like, I don't know, I don't know, I I don't know. And he's gonna come out and talk about the fact that it's probably his bad they didn't get him the ball more. But I just, you know, I can't keep vouching for this offense that it's going to get started or that Deshaun Kaiser is going to be a decent quarterback if he's not being set up in a situation or, or having plays called that that utilize his strengths and take some of the pressure off of him just it's going to be on our gravestones Hugh Jackson told us he's going to run the ball more yeah still waiting <laughs> still wake, waiting for Hugh Jackson wake, to run wake the ball me up when that when Isaiah Crowell has more than 20 carries in a game well, I'm trying to think back to, was it 2014 when he was the offensive coordinator? For the Bengals? 2015. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Hill, and that's when him and Gio Bernard were like, I mean, they were just running it and running it and running it. Dalton was working off that play action, and that's what I, honestly, that's what I envision Hugh Jackson wants. I mean, they do a little bit of the no huddle now, but I don't know if it's the fact that the quarterback can't handle that much. You know, and Andy Dalton's not looking too hot in and He's looking Cincy horrible. Oh, he's going to be a free agent next year too. So Come to the Browns. Watch for those. Oh, I trust me. Wait till the wait till we get to the offseason. That's my uh, that's my upset pick. But you know, it's oh, it's just frustrating to not run the ball because as a fan, we realize it. So as a coach, they have to know the same thing as well. They have to see it. And One if they don't, think. then I question. Well, I was going to say if if they don't, then I question their ability to to do their job correctly. The best. <laughs> case scenario for this team next week would be to go into indianapolis run all over the colts pick up an easy win gets get moving but we know that that probably won't be the case there there will be no easy win next week in indianapolis am i no it's gonna happen you know it's gonna happen the browns will the browns will come out and look halfway decent you know but it's gonna be like a 28 21 28 24 game that like i i think the colts shouldn't be in this game you know, I, the, the the Cardinals played against them today. Really, you know, the Cardinals should have laid down to their competition. Yeah, they should have lost. And I don't know if it's that's the how bad the Cardinals are or how good the Rams are. You know, it's really tough to gauge, you know, where where the how bad the Indianapolis Colts really are. But against the Browns, you know, that should be a game. The Browns are able to to win. And if they can't run the ball for a third straight week, going to be some questioning that needs answered. if they lose next week that week four game at home against the Bengals is going to be so depressing <laughs> if, 
they had okay so you asked me last week if this week was a must win or you asked me this on thursday next week is definitely a must I agree, win to salvage team. a season you, you have to and i think i don't i want miles garrett to come back and may i don't know if well, that's he won't come be back something. next week he's just, he's supposed to be reevaluated but you know you never know what can happen i don't think he'll come back either i, I just wonder you know how much this team because all day they really didn't get too much pressure on Flacco pressure on Flacco you know they had a couple sacks which was nice you know Kirksey had one early on in the game but they also didn't have pressure you know consistently it was like very spotty so I think they really need to to get Miles Garrett back to get after the quarterback a little bit a must win in week three must win I agree with you I still I still might not pick him to win to be honest I still might not I picked him this week, and it was a bold strategy. It did not pay off. Whew. No, history was on the uh, – you're not, you're not the only one either. There were a, a decent amount of people that had the same thoughts It was that you false, did, but, false hope you after know. week one. The Steelers tricked us. Call me – yeah, I was going to say, call me a pessimistic Browns fan, but, you know, until they show me something, they're not going to – I'm not going to pick them to win, so. Oh, well, we'll see you next week. I'll go through my annual – or my weekly – stages of (laughs) depression from the browns where it's like sunday through tuesday i I like slowly get better then wednesday i'm back on the hype train and before you know it i'm chomping at the bits saturday night and sunday morning to watch this game so my final thought is we will see you before next week we'll see you this friday and at that point in time we are going to have some in-depth discussions about most likely what Hugh Jackson had to say this week. We are going to be appalled that he said it was his fault when it is obvious. He needs to run the ball more. We will go down the list. No, Hugh, it's not your fault. It's okay, bud. Just, but just run the ball a little bit more next week. It wouldn't be the Cleveland Browns if we didn't have the same storylines to talk about for the past 20 years. You would think that maybe someone along the lines would, would try and do something to alter those storylines. Time like, wizard. You know, how many times do people have to question Hugh Jackson about running the football for him to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I should give my running back, you know, who I said will have a monster year. Just a few a few more carries. Hey, reach double digits today, so it's baby steps. Mind-boggling. But that, that will be all for us for this post-game show. I hope everyone is doing all right. Watch the Indians, be happy, and we will see you again later this week.